For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, that's the first leg of the quadruple in the bag and Liverpool's lead at the top of the table has been cut to a single point as well. You couldn't really have asked for a better week, could you? After stuttering over the Christmas period and giving themselves work to do in the title race, City are right back in the groove. Welcome to the Blue Moon Podcast, where we'll be analysing the performances against Chelsea and West Ham. Also on this week's show, we'll be casting the light to one player who's excelled and probably hasn't had the recognition he deserves. So stay listening, Zinchenko fans. As City defend a trophy for the first time in their history, we'll be looking at the impact that could have on the title race. Plus, we'll preview the trip to a Bournemouth side who seem to be flatlining right now. Have they hit the wall for the season and could that help City in their bid to get back to the top of the table? We'll try to provide the answers to those shortly, plus the answers to your questions in Ask the Panel. I'm your host David Mooney and I'm joined by City fan and blogger Howard Hawking. Hello. And the Sunday Mirror's Chief Football Writer Simon Mullock. Hi David. So then, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good week all told, Howard. Yes. <laughs> I, was t- I was telling you before, like... Please don't have a bad week, City, because I've got to go on this podcast <laughs> and no one listens to it if we've had a bad week. So, And that thought did actually pop into my head during extra time at Wembley, which is probably not the right way to look at it, really. But I can't believe you were thinking of us when extra oh, time was going on at always Wembley. In, <laughs> always in my thoughts. But. Well, let's, I mean, just on the general picture, Simon, City have now defended a trophy for the first time. It's not much, but it's a milestone. It is a milestone, and... Um, I was surprised actually when I saw how many um, the sort of record of League Cup wins that City are only behind Liverpool in terms of the number of times they've lifted. I know the trophy, more than United now, which is quite, you know, listen, it's 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 a small achievement. It's not the trophy that everybody has down as a priority, but Pep takes it seriously, um, which is you know which is the main thing. It's not many um, feet as well. I mean, four League Cups in what is it, six, six years? years. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not a bad, not bad achievement. Though. It's not bad. I mean, to be fair, you would say City had the, they had a kind draw all the way through. Leicester was probably the the most they had to extend themselves, um, and obviously won that on penalties. Um, you know, you're looking at that semi final draw. It's and, a dream, um, wasn't it? It was <laughs> yeah. an absolute. You know, you, you could have either played Chelsea twice or. Uh, Tottenham twice, and that would have really been a drain on the the resources, player wise. So they've they've had a dream dr- dream draw in probably all of the knockout competitions up to now. Um, so in that way, it, it's it's felt felt kindly for them. But it's another trophy, and nobody remembers um, that. Nobody nobody no, remembers the, the run to the final. Well, you can only so. beat who you've drawn against. Yeah. You can't, you know. And how City went through that period where it, they they drew. A Premier League team away, away, every every, every, away. every yeah. round, sort of every round. So maybe this is a little bit, a little bit of payback. When you when you look at, at, at the picture in the title race now as well, City obviously beat West Ham, Liverpool got a quite a comprehensive victory over Watford, but that weekend where City didn't play, Liverpool dropped two points, and the gaps. So the gap has actually been cut this week as well. It feels like momentum could be edging back towards City in this. I think so. Yeah, I think it was a big statement from Liverpool. To be fair. Winning five nil, um, Watford can be quite a tricky team sometimes, and I thought it'd be a little bit tighter than that. But obviously, the early goal gave them the platform to to win quite comfortably. So I think that was a big result for Liverpool. Um, they didn't just need to win a game; they needed to win it well. Um, they've cut the uh, goal difference advantage that City had quite considerably, you know, in a stroke. Um, so yeah, listen, the League Cup win. I think it's kind of an insight into Guardiola. It just shows you he wants to win everything. He, you know, you can imagine he must be a nightmare for his kids to play against on Christmas Day because <laughs> he'll want to win. He'll want to beat them, and he'll want, he won't want to beat them. He'll want to beat them again and again. If anybody's ever seen the Fast Show, it'd be the competitive dad, wouldn't they? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think, um, but I think this City team, I think they're, 
think, and I know they want to win the Champions League. Obviously, that is the the ambition of the owners. But this City team, they want they want to be known as one of the great sides, the great English teams. And I think to do that, despite the hundred points last year, which I thought was a much bigger achievement than Arsenal's Invincibles, because you play football to win games. Arsenal drew as many games that se- uh, Arsenal drew as many games in their Invincible season as Leeds did, who were relegated. Yeah. So um, you play football to win games. If you can get 100 points, 106 goals, then you deserve your place in, in history, I think. And, I, and I, I just think they want to retain that Premier League just to nail that, that you know we, this, this is a great team. And be the first team to do it in a decade as yeah. well. Would, it, would, it would add yeah. so much to it. Um, uh, it should be pointed out that Liverpool cannot reach 100 points. Yeah, now, that's, so. that, I, I, that's, that's yeah. the other bonus as well, isn't it? Um, just on that West Ham game, fans were obviously stressed going into that game. It was, like you said, Howard, it was you know right off the back of the cup final. They played 120 minutes. They'd lost a couple of players to injuries. So like, in that respect... In terms of the performance, there was not a lot wrong with it, really, was there? They got no. the job done. No, I mean, apart from one huge caveat, which was finishing chances, I thought, to be honest, you look at that West Ham, they've got players out. So <clears throat> Arnautovic, I think, had a virus. Uh, Lanzini didn't start, did he? He came, he? On, came, on he came off an Azri, yeah. and he's a player I really like, both of them. Uh, but you look at that squad, and it's it's excellent, it's Probably the best squad outside, you know, the the top six. So next season, I would expect West Ham to be really pushing, you know, or maybe breaking into the top six. You know, not the top four. Depends on the funds. So it did worry me because I know that after a cup final, you know, they're obviously going to celebrate, and it was there was no rest whatsoever, uh, losing two big players, and all that considering, they just apps City totally suffocated. West Ham. Uh, obviously, there was one shot for Carroll in the second half, and that was it. Uh, so, on the whole, they absolutely dominated, and yeah, they were full of intensity. Obviously, should have been a couple of goals at least up within 10 minutes. So, the approach, and I was worried that they'd have chances and there'd be fatigue, and it didn't really show at all that. Well, just another stat to, to kind of back that up. It took 23 minutes for Edison to touch the ball. Wow. That's that. I mean, that just shows you what City were doing with the ball. They had about 83%, possession, 83% possession first half yeah. as well, I think. Somebody texted me when I was at the game last night. Um, I just think it was one of those. I think if City had scored that early goal, if the silver one goes in, yeah. if the Mahrez one goes in, I think then it could have been a real battering and City could have even extended that, that goal difference advantage that they've got. One of the things that I was a, a little bit, not maybe concerned is the wrong word, but Guardiola spoke about um, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to smell the title. He wanted to, to feel that, the, and he mentioned the fans. And in the first half, I thought, I thought the support was great. But when that first goal didn't come, there was a little bit of anxiety going around the place. And, um, you know, that's that's what what is destroying Liverpool at the moment. The last thing that City need is for the fans to start panicking because this team mm. is just, you know, whenever they've they, whenever they needed to prove something under Guardiola, certainly over the last eighteen months, they've done it. They've never they? ever, you know, let let anybody down. But so there is a frustration though, isn't there, when we don't score within yeah, fifteen minutes? Yeah, because, now. because or when the opposition even break into a half, yeah, there's yeah. a groan when we give the ball away and they break into a half. It's like oh god, oh no. Dangerous outside our penalty area. The other, the other they're one in a position where we've been about seventy times that match. Yeah. And the, the other one I've noticed is uh, that happens, and then I don't know. Company or Tamendi wins the ball back, and instead of just getting it clear, they knock it into somebody who's under pressure so that they can work another opening and, and work it out. Yeah. And still, after after the football that, that City produced last season, there's still fans going, "Oh, just get rid of it. Just get don't don't, oh, yeah. don't do this. What's what Edison doing? What's that? You know, it and was, you just think, well, it was wait, much worse last night yeah. though than. Any other game that all around me, it's like, don't do that, get rid of it. real panic. Yeah. And I think it's position of what you said, you know, because Liverpool are winning easily, we're only one goal up, or maybe it was nil nil at the time. It really, people were not calm about the situation. Still, at still all. 10 games left. It's just, you know, just calm it down. There's a point in it. It's like the, the difference is a cigarette paper. There's nothing in there, is there? It'll probably happen that the, the, Either Liverpool or City will drop points at the least expected yeah. time, because that's how it that's how it always pans out. Remember, two thousand and twelve, City battle West Brom, come out of the ground, United losing to Wigan, and you can't just can't see that happening. 
You just yeah. think, you know, that that was never in the never equation. on the cards, was it? Never. No. And you know, so it 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 will pro it pro in all probability it'll be a, a game where you think, oh, that you know that that shouldn't have happened. Right then, money where your mouth is. Time, I suppose, on uh, on the key incident of the game was it a penalty? Did Bernardo Silva dive? Oh um, well, I can't. Um, this is sounds cowardly. <laughs> I can't tell from the replays. It's not clear to me, so I'm not sure it is a penalty. I'm certainly not sure it was a dive either. He probably felt contact and went down, but I am personally not sure, and I don't care. <laughs> well. <laughs> You know the way this season has gone so far. Uh, I don't. I'm not convinced it was a penalty. No, I don't think there was a clear foul there. Uh, but you know, I spoke to you again beforehand. I thought a lot of us thought I was at the other end of the stadium, South Stand, that Aguero could have been fouled about a minute before. But there's no replays of that, so that looked like the clearer foul for me. But you said he didn't appeal for penalties. Well, he didn't. He didn't want anything. But yeah. that doesn't necess- necessarily mean he wasn't but fouled, I, I'm, does it? Basically, Bernardo said, "I'm not convinced it was." But I can't, you can't say it's a dive because I'm sure there was some contact. But I'm not sure it it was a foul. There was definitely a brush on his back, Simon. I thought that was what t- what took him down. I don't. I think there was a little bit of contact in terms of the, the feet. But I think it was Felipe Anderson, a little nudge in the back. And if you look at the replays. Anderson is a one West Ham player who doesn't argue with the referee. Right. Now, I might be a sportsman, but Anderson just wheeled away as if to say, what have I done? Guilty, guilty, um, guilty, Your Honour. And I always look at, the, I always look at the, the, the tackling player to see what his reaction yeah. is. And he just, he, he, you watch it, um, Declan Rice went straight to the referee. A couple of the defenders went to the referee. Anderson went nowhere near him. So um, I, that was the, the kind of... And it's not rock solid. I didn't see any contact in terms of that would have brought him down in terms of the feet. I think it might have just been that nudge. Let's be fair. Bernardo Silva doesn't take much to go down. He's what? He's four, he's ten... he's four foot two and three stone, exactly. isn't he? Like, yeah. Exactly. And I've got to say, though, by the way, that um, if that had been Mo Salah, there would have been, City fans would have been, it probably would have been an uproar that it was a it was quite soft but I did think it was a penalty yeah um, speaking of penalties let's let's flip over to the League Cup final because obviously the yeah. the, the shootout seamless absolute seamless link that was wasn't it um, yeah so segue. No, no better way to win a cup final on penalties maybe a last minute goal no I think I'd prefer 6-0 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying certainly if you're writing a match report you don't want to put, you don't want All to right, yeah. shoot out yeah exactly I didn't get back into London until about <laughs> 9 o'clock so but, okay. uh, no I hate them but Obviously, at the moment, yeah, it was considering the game that went before. The excitement was uh, off the scale compared to before, and and yeah, how fitting that. You know, I'll be honest. When Raheem Sterling stepped up, I wasn't overly confident. I don't know how many he's taken. I think he took the last one when we walloped Watford six well, yeah. nil. Yeah. yeah, has he, he taken? He, many took, more? he took one at Watford. He chipped one over the bar in the shootout against Leicester, trying to penenka. He did. Yeah, so. I don't know why. Maybe it's you know ingrained about his you know issues in front of goal that people have been talking about over years. But yeah, what better way than for him to do it? The uh, absolute stones on him though to whack it in the top corner. Yeah, and uh, going to just... Pep, he want you know he wanted to take the fifth, and that just the week he's had the winner in Schalke, you know volunteering. It just you know just shows how much he's grown in the last couple of years. And um, my only other thought is. My only disappointment is uh, I was just wondering where Edison would have, what position he would have uh, taken one. Well, I like, think seven he would have taken the seventh one. I, and I, would he have taken his gloves off as well? Well, so. I don't know. I, I, I'd, have, <laughs> I'd love to say, like, there's a weird thing about goalkeepers taking penalties. I've always wanted to see Joe Hart take one because he could whack a, a decent penalty. You'd in. love to see Edison take one. Well, surely Edison must just, have been yeah, high yeah, up the list. Yeah. You'll yeah. so cool. get, you, get a new set of nets prepared <laughs> because there's a pretty good chance he will burst it. Um, I'd give him the first penalty. Yeah, I don't, I don't I... know if you remember Nicky Weaver uh, for Sheffield Wednesday in the old, I don't know what it was called, like the Checker Trade Trophy, whatever it is. Uh, they, they had a penalty shootout that went to the goalkeepers. And it, I remember asking him about it, and he went, I didn't know what to do. I thought I'd just place it up here. Like that one. And in the end, he said, No, no. Just take a goal kick, but keep your head down, yeah. and it'll st- and it'll stay low. And he just yeah. belted it into the back of the net. Edison did that. He endangered the fans behind <laughs> the goal. He hits it that hard. Yeah, I just think if Ed- Edison, um, 
had taken the first penalty, what a what a kind of what a statement that what is. a statement that would be if Guardiola said right, give it the keeper. One thing I've noticed, same again last night. Guardiola can't watch penalties. Sterling said that he didn't watch ah, his penalty, and right. last night on the bench, Guardiola was looking away, and it was it was Mikel Arteta and the rest of the coaching staff jumped up, and it, Pep Pep celebration was quite um, quite muted. Not not muted, but it was it was delayed. Because he was kind of looking down here when the goal is over there, um, and yeah, I don't know whether Pep's getting a, getting a little bit nervous, but um, I mean, Sterling said after the game that you know Pep Pep couldn't watch, and he asked me where to put it, and I put top it in the top in. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, but I mean, as, as for the League Cup, I, I thought Chelsea had sort of a, a game plan that that was no more ambitious than Newport's. Did did the did the recent six nil affect that? Oh, without a doubt. Without that, I mean, talking. Pep, Pep has made this kind of boast, which he stuck to in that first season, that no matter what happens, he will stick by the football principles that he's always believed in. And Maurizio Sarri came over with the same kind of reputation. And then, let's be fair, I thought Chelsea, it was amazing. Chelsea didn't play that badly in the six 0 City were were just absolutely ruthless, and it was portrayed as a as a. As a, a disgraceful Chelsea performance, rather than the City masterclass, City were were, were brilliant. They took absolutely everything, um, and Pep was Pep's team. I think was set up for Chelsea to press them, which they did, and they just set traps. So City just set traps all over the place that Chelsea walked straight into. And, um, and then at Wembley, they couldn't they and, couldn't do that. They didn't and, leave their own half. So Sarri ball, there was no no evidence of any Sarri ball at Wembley. They just as soon as City got a goal kick, they dropped off to the halfway line. And just like I say, I think plan A was to avoid a hammering, and plan B was hope that you get lucky. It was it was the outlook of a an underdog in an FA Cup tie for me. I was really disappointed with Chelsea, and I think that's what what. Listen, it's not a tickling contest. The finals are supposed <laughs> to be hard, yeah. but you've got to show some ambition. And just to try and a couple of times they almost caught City on the breakthrough Hazard. Because he's a great player. The quality of squad that Chelsea have, you'd expect a bit more. It, wouldn't was, you? it was portrayed. It was like it was portrayed as a, as um, it was going to be one of the biggest shocks in football. I watched Sunday Supplement, for example. <laughs> it was going. To, it was being portrayed as one of the biggest shocks in football if Chelsea actually beat City on Sunday. It was a game against two of the top five, four, five teams in, in England, um, and I was really disappointed with Chelsea. Just on the Chelsea game, Howard, were you surprised that the Aguero goal was was disallowed when you watch it back? Because in the in the stadium, I thought it was mile offside. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was like, oh, what are they going to be here for? Uh, and the longer it went on, it was like, well, it can't be that far offside because we'd have restarted the match by now. Uh, I thought, uh, to be honest, I've I've looked at one, you know, replay, and he's about th- his foot's three millimeters off. So if he it's is like his ankle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, his heel. So no, that's the right decision then. Uh, you know. Again, we said before the show, VAR, it's clear and obvious for overturning other stuff, but for offside, it's very black and white. Either it is or it isn't. Uh, I think both teams, obviously, Hazard had that break where the flag went up and he stopped uh, later on in the game. And he shouldn't have stopped, really, I don't think. I think if he'd gone on and scored, he'd have sent it to VAR. I think both teams had one very, very close VAR incident that they kind of feel a bit cheated about, that was really close and it's kind of, even, so it's kind of yeah. evened itself out in a way, yeah. Uh, if he's a millimetre off, then that's what you've got to give. But I, I'm i not sure when they stop it. Was when you stop it as well. Is it when the foot begins to kick the ball, when it leaves the oh, foot? I've not, thought, I've not because, even thought about you that. you know, when it's that close, I don't know what the, the ruling is for that. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it's one millimetre or a foot. If, he's, if he is further behind, it's the right... Decision. You do, it, do it like a goal. When when all of the ball has left all of the foot, that's when that's yeah. the uh, that's daylight. the offside. Yeah, when there's yeah. daylight. Yeah. The um, thing is, I tell you what. By the way, could you imagine if they'd have put that on the screen? Well, quite yeah. at Wembley, hmm. there'd have been thirty-four thousand City fans would have been absolutely up in arms yeah. over that. And I've always been a supporter that if that that if you're a paying customer, if you're paying, I think it was fifty. My my ticket on Sunday was fifty-four, fifty-six, 56 quid. Yeah. Um, treble that because I had to pay for the kids as well um, <laughs> but uh, you know if you're a paying customer you should be in full um, should have all the information you should have all the yeah. facts yeah. about why it's been disallowed for for once that, you know 
I, I'm thinking when I saw um, my daughter showed me a picture on the phone, on a phone uh, a few minutes afterwards, I'm thinking I can see why they don't show it on the big screen because, um, you know, a, a lot of City fans had had, um, well, put it this way, they were... They, they were a bit merry. Yeah. Bit they were they they were well um uh well fueled <laughs> well refreshed and um, I just wonder whether that might you know that might be a concern going forward that they can't shoot on the big screen because yeah. there would have there would have been uproar again if it was like a penalty a foul again yeah. people I mean because a, a subject, can't God, agree God forbid with... a, suge- a subjective decision offside is objectively well, fact yeah, you're, you're on or off. The, yeah Schalke handball if they're putting that on the screen then you know half the crowd saying yes and the other go no way and yeah there'll be uproar so. But well, the problem with VAR is it's for a TV audience. Yeah, yeah. We've no idea what's going on yeah. until decisions given. <laughs> Seeing those at home, we're getting full TV. You know, other sports, I think, do it a bit better. So, well, one one player I want to focus on. I mentioned him in the uh, in the opener to the show. Um, he was man of the match in the final for me. Alexander Zinchenko has has looked at home in the left back position in recent weeks. Um, how has he developed over the last two years? Yeah, I, I mean, I still. I still worry. He's not a left. You know, is he a left back? I don't know. He's never going to get into the team. Probably where he was supposed, to, where he was bought for. I assume we didn't buy him thinking, oh, we'll well, mold, might, might we'll, mold, we'll mold him into a left back. Yeah, but obviously, further up the pitch you go, the more uh, competition there is. I'd like to see him play further up the pitch in a few games that, you know, Carabao Cup or something cup game. You know, too late this season. But I want to see what he does. I've seen him in defensive midfield, and he did a job there for. I think it was like half a game or something. Uh, yeah, the, what he doesn't have is pace, of course, but you don't have to... Not every player has to be have pace. You know, just like Garcia, you know, the young defender doesn't have to be six foot four to be a great central defender. Uh, yeah, he's just... It just shows, I think, in a way, you don't know, like a young player or a cheap acquisition, until they put go into the team, you don't truly know how good a footballer they are. It's I think no one knew until he was in there, and he's just absolutely—he's turned down a transfer away. He said, "No, I want to fight for my place," and his attitude and everything. He's not played regularly. I mean, he wasn't in the team for ages until recently, and now he's suddenly—you know—Pep has a habit of doing this, giving people spurts of games. Uh, you know, people still question his positioning defensively, but you know, and maybe for West Ham's chance. He was slightly at fault there for letting Cowell get in behind him. But overall, he just, yeah, he's been absolutely superb. And of course, because he's got attacking tendencies, you know, he obviously offers something more up the field. And I think he dovetails well with players as well down that side of the pitch. It's interesting, Simon, as well, because I get the <clears throat> I get the impression Zinchenko was signed as to be one of the sort of City football group players, if that makes sense. You bring him in, they never get near the first team. You bring him in on, on a low amount of money, you sell him for profit later on down the line. It's more like Aaron Moy for, who, who went to yeah. Huddersfield. And he's just kind of gone, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing that. He's a, you know, there's one word to sum him up. He's a professional. Yeah. You know, and and a lot of professional footballers don't actually realise what 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 that entails. Doesn't just mean entail you know playing well or you know um, being a star. It entails it when you're not in the team, not making any problems. And Pep spoke yesterday saying that he's a brilliant character around the place. And I can't remember who it was last year who got man of the match, and Zinchenko was asked to give him the award, and he gave a speech on TV about not realising that he's just supposed to hand the trophy over <laughs> and leave it at that. He gave like a two-minute speech to the... I can't remember who the player was, but I'm sure it'll be on YouTube. Have a look at it. Amazing. It's, it's pure gold. This kid's, what, 19, 20? Uh, it's obvious when you see the clips in training, the players really like him. I mean, you know, he's, he's kind of De Bruyne, you know, De Bruyne number two in looks. Um, and I've seen him play as a number 10. Um, I caught a game on Eurosport playing for Ukraine and he's a he's a good player in in a in an attacking midfield position as well. And I just think it speaks volumes to it that how many players, particularly young players, manager comes over to them and say, I'm gonna play your left back today, would say, I, I can't play left back. Well not you know, not Zinchenko. Zinchenko says, right, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna learn the position. and he's got better and better. He was man of the match at Wembley and I thought he was man of the match last night as well. I just think he's um, he, he's just he's the perfect squad player 
because he's not going to play every week, but he doesn't kick off about it. He could have joined Wolves, said no, I want to stay and play for City. You know, I, I just think he's he's a joy. Well, one of the uh, it's weird, Howard. You 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 touched on this before. One of the questions I wanted to ask about Zinchenko is: Is he a left back now? Well, <laughs> he's a left-sided player. I think I don't. Well, he is essentially, yeah. That, if he's going in the team, that's where he's playing. There were two. I mean, the two incidents that spring so, to mind, the, the, both at Wembley. He had. I, I can't remember who it was. It could have been Willian uh, in the second half. He was facing them one on one in the penalty area. Mm. He stuck a foot out. He won the ball and he ran off with it. And it was. It's the confidence to make that challenge in the box, knowing that if you get it wrong, it's a penalty. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, in two years, it'll be. You know, he's hard, he's still barely done the role. I mean, training. There's training, but how much do you train? For being a left back, you know, he's got to. This he's still in the infancy of doing this, so you know, there's a long way he could still go to improve. I guess ultimately it depends if he wants a career as a left back. He might not want, you know, he's probably grown up thinking I'm attacking left, you know, more exciting position. That's where I want to be, creating goals, crossing. Of course, with a left back, it does still give you the opportunities to get forward, but he's got to be a lot more disciplined. So I guess it's down to him whether he wants that role for the the rest of his career in a way. You know, I was a striker when I started as a kid, and it only took me till I was 15 to move that far back down the pitch. I ended up in goal. Um, I want to talk about Riyad Mahrez because he, he's been getting a lot of flack recently. In fact, uh, we're going to—I put a tweet out um, uh, on Wednesday night about um, the problems he was having in the team and, and how I didn't think they were all his fault and that he needs a bit of time. And the reaction that I got on Twitter was quite divided. It's—I've never seen a player split City fans quite as much as, as Riyad Mahrez does recently. So I've got the top five reasons why uh, Riyad Mahrez is not settled at City. I'm going to fire them at you. Uh, give you a couple of seconds each on on each one, just to to see whether you agree with them or not. In at number five, his crosses always hit the first man. Howard. On current evidence, I agree with that. Yeah. That is one of the main problems, that he was a counter-attacking footballer at Leicester, where he was running into space and hitting them into the top corner, and now he's got to adapt to finding very cute passes in very crowded penalty areas, and I think he's struggling at the moment to, to pick out players in penalty areas. In at number four, he always cuts inside onto his left foot. Simon. Yes, because he's a left-footed player who's being played on the right by the manager. Um, so, in a way, that's not really his fault, but I do agree with that. In at number three, he's too predictable with his step-overs. Howard? <laughs> uh, well, there's only one type of step-over. I mean, yeah, he does lots of them and it doesn't really achieve anything, but I don't think that's really a big factor in how successful he's going to be or not be, to be honest. I think yeah, I think opposition players are wise to step overs nowadays. They just keep their eye on the ball, don't they? So. And at number two, he isn't like Sterling or Sane, Simon. No, he isn't. Um, but I mean, he's that about Do you want players who are all all the same? Uh, I mean, I'd have to agree with it because he isn't like Sterling or Sane. But you don't want like for like players. That's the whole point of having a having some you know another option to use. And top of the chart, number one, he isn't worth £60 million, Howard. Uh, at the moment he isn't, but that really is utterly irrelevant of what he's worth. It's whether he, he plays well in the City team, so whether we bought him for £2 million or 40 unless that price tag is what is affecting his form at the moment, but that's gone, it doesn't really matter, we could afford to buy him. He was only purchased in the summer. Uh, don't matter what his cost, it's whether you know he can make a success of himself at City. Just talking a bit more seriously on Mares, um, do you think people have made their minds up already about him and whatever happens now, they've made their minds up? Yeah. I mean, whether we win the league or not, <clears throat> a missed penalty in, what was it, was it September, October? It's not, it's not important over a nine-month campaign. We didn't lose the league that day. But some people struggled to, to accept that he took the ball and missed a penalty and we didn't beat Liverpool and we'd now be top and everything would be great. And I was at Burton, you know, the away game, and those people literally, you know, this first touch, 
we didn't find someone that had already slagging him off. So, yeah, some people, as is the way. Uh, I'm not saying he's playing well, but there has to be a scapegoat, and he's the obvious one at the moment. Uh, obviously, people, fans have short memories. He turns it around next season. Everyone will be fine with that. Sterling's been down this route, you know, already. But Mahrez doesn't have the time on his side. He's not a youngster developing. Uh, he doesn't have the credit in the bank either last season. No. He, he can turn it around with anyone who's... But, yeah, a lot of people are very close to have decided that, no, he's a waste of money, we didn't need to buy him, and blah, blah, blah. He's selfish and lots of other things, because that's what football fans do. Uh, and it's not. It's probably not helping him on the pitch, to be honest. Can he turn it around, Simon? I think, yeah, I'm sure he can turn it around. I mean, we <clears throat> you only have to see what he did for Leicester in that title-winning season. The difference was that at Leicester... Um, Ranieri kind of said to um, Mares and Vardy, look, I-, I want you pushed as high up the field as possible. And then it was up to the other eight outfield players to do most of the defending and the closing down. And you've got somebody like Kante, who's, that's like having two men. Um, whereas at City, you've got to... You, you can't disappear from a game for 10 minutes. You've got to be kind of consistently... You know, in the mix of it, either closing somebody down or doing something on the ball. Um, I've been really disappointed with Mares. I've got to say, I was really excited thinking thinking it'd be a a really good acquisition. And I think the penalty miss at Anfield was crucial, not in terms of just Mares himself, because I, th- I think that really hit him. If you speak to people mm. around the club, he was really down. Confidence wise, yeah, yeah, he, re- he was really down after he missed that penalty. And but the other thing was Liverpool. Liverpool's only defeat of the season came in January. Now, if that defeat had come in September, you don't you can't just say, well, they would have just gone on until January then without getting beat. That would have been a question mark against Liverpool. Um, and we saw what happened to City over that period over Christmas. They suffer one defeat, that can kind of snowball into a couple of bad results. So I thought that was a, a key miss and there's been a key miss in terms of the title race for the for the simple fact it could have undermined undermined Liverpool much earlier in the season. Um but can he turn it round obviously is the question. Of course he can. He's an extremely talented player. I just think that Pep has got to um just got to find the right outlet for him. You just you saw some of the frustration. I, f- I, felt, last a bit, night I with, felt a bit sorry I felt for really him. sorry for him last night because there were, there were three moments that I think summed it up. The the first two, on both of them, De Bruyne took an extra touch. Yeah. And yeah. when he played the ball through Mares was offside. Yeah. And the the criticism there was well Mares should hold your run. And then the time he does hold his run, De Bruyne played it first time and he he wasn't there. Well for me De Bruyne is is at his best when he's hitting moving targets. So i I mean he played a, a ball in the second half for example First time, and I'm thinking, where's that going? And it was perfect. It dropped on Sterling, didn't it? Perfect for Sterling. But Sterling was on the move, whereas with Mahrez, I'm not old enough to remember Stanley Matthews, but I'm told he would run for nothing. You played it into his feet and that's it. And that's all City seemed to do with Mahrez, is play it into his feet. And he's he's always stood still, and it always feels like um, he's trapped, because he's not that quick. It always feels like that the defender, as soon as he pushes on him, he pushes him inside into traffic, or he pushes him, pushes him backwards. So I just think he's got to maybe develop an, another side of his game where he's not not as static as as, as he has been. Final uh, part of the first part of the show. I just want to to touch on Fernandinho. Simon, you mentioned uh, Angolo Kante when he in his season at Leicester, where he was protecting um, the back four there. Uh, Guardiola didn't seem too optimistic about uh, about Fernandinho's return for this after this injury. Uh, should that worry City fans? Yeah, I think so because there's no obvious cover for him. You know, it's the one position left back. I suppose you could argue as well. Although Zinchenko's come in and done well, that there's no obvious candidate to come in and fill that role. Um, I've got to say, I know Gundogan is another player that that gets a little bit of criticism, which I think is unwanted because. He's playing a lot of time in that position, protecting the back four, and he's a, he's more of a number eight. He's more of an attacking mind, attack-minded player, Gundogan. Um, but he's probably the obvious choice to come in and and, and do a job. Do you, who do you, who do you see doing that for the for the time being, Howard? Because oh. I, the, the Guardiola's mentioned a few names. He, he oddly didn't actually mention Gundogan when uh, when when he spoke in the press conference a few uh, a few days ago. He talked about. Uh, you know, Zinchenko can do it. For, um, uh, De Bruyne can drop in deep there. We can play two, and David Silva can be in there. But Gundogan wasn't one of the names that he mentioned. Yeah. 
Well, that was my answer. Couldn't do one, to be honest. I mean, look at the games we've got coming up. They're not... You know, we, we, we host Schalke with a lead, you know, three away goals. Uh, none of the key, you know, the big games like United away are on the, you know, there yet. Couldn't do one can do that easily enough. Don't really want De Bruyne dropping back and playing there, but he probably could do a job because he can spray the balls and distribute, you know. Well, Gundogan's the obvious one to me. I think he's one of our four midfielders right now. The four midfielder, perhaps. So, I've no problem in the next few weeks with him filling that role. Uh, Delph, don't know. Is he still alive? Is he still, <laughs> where is he? Uh, yeah, he's one I always thought could do a job there for a few games, but I uh, don't know if he's injured or he's just annoyed. You know, he's annoyed that red card at... Uh, both, yeah. yeah. On the naughty step still, uh, against Leicester, was it? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's options there. It, it's not... The problem is fatigue and losing players in a lot of games, but they're not the toughest games of the season. You know, Gundogan is more than good enough to fill to fill that role for me. So, it should, you know... And, let's be honest, for the first time in my life, might be praying for... Thankful of the international break that's coming up soon. Just a bit because of rest, it, it's yeah. just a week, yeah, to get the players back to fitness if there's still a couple... You know, like Fernandinho Laporte are still struggling by that stage. So. I don't think, you know, I'm not saying injuries are ever, it's ever good to have injuries, but sometimes it can give you a, a break. And um, I was worried that at some point during the season, Fernandinho was going to end up running on empty. So he's got, mm. you know, he's got an enforced break now. Um, you would imagine that he won't go away with Brazil. Um, so he can kind of save on the travel and just be, just rehab, yeah, yeah. and rehab in Manchester. So it might, you know, when you get to the real crunch time, the FA Cup semi-finals, the derby, the the you know the last eight, last four of the Champions League, the the games that are going to decide the Premier League, then a fit and a fit and ready Fernandinho would be would be huge. Yeah, as long as he comes back, you know, we do have players who have struggled, you know, taking yeah. time to get back yeah. into it. But if it's a three-week injury or something, it should be all right. Of course, the other player we didn't mention was Danilo, just sticking in there, like you know, in the cup final, just not just, moving around much, just uh, you know, being disciplined. And there's another option, I guess. But we don't. I just, know. I just worry about Danilo fancying a shot from the the edge of the uh, centre circle yeah. if he's in there because he seems to like a shot from range, doesn't he? Mm. Right. Well, with Sunday's League Cup victory, Manchester City have retained a trophy for the first time in their history. Of course, it's probably not the silverware that most wanted to keep hold of, but given how many supporters grew up not expecting any trips to Wembley, it's certainly not an achievement to be sniffed at. I've been taking a look at how big a feat it actually is. Speaking before the League Cup final, City boss Pep Guardiola hit out at the talk of his side doing the quadruple. Ask me this question in May, and after I will tell you the answer. And I will not lie to you. But in May, now it's very it's impossible to talk about that. You sell something illusion. So how many times, believe me, how many times in England one team wants four titles in a season? Don't put our pressure in our shoulders because we don't deserve it. In previewing Sunday's trip to Wembley, he went on to say that expecting a quadruple from his team was simply setting them up to fail and holding them up to a standard that nobody had ever achieved before. The legacy in Sir Alex Ferguson is incredible United. He never do that. Liverpool 18th, with how many Champions League they have in the, in the pockets, they didn't do that. So don't put the pressure in one team in February, or November, or December, you have to win or you can win for a title. It's impossible. But after that, they all oh, they fail. Manchester City failed because they don't want four titles. Or they don't win three titles when this country happened once in their own lives. That is not fair for us. Even so, after lifting the League Cup, the manager admitted it was good to get a title under his belt so early in the season. So it's the only country that in February you can win the title. So we have in this season two titles we have already win. So in the community shield in this one, so it's nice. And still we have three more to, to play, the Premier League, the Cup, and we are there. But it's important, I think, for the mood, for the, OK, guys, we had already two titles in our in our basket. Cynics might say that, given what he said there. Guardiola isn't hunting a quadruple because he's after a quintuple, counting the community shield as well. But that's even more of an impossible standard. Whether or not City are being held up to impossible standards is something Guardiola can do nothing about. After all, this is City's latest achievements. They've defended a trophy for the first time ever. Blogger Richard Burns thinks that's significant. Quite apart from retaining it for the first time, winning the League Cup 
four times out of six years allows the club to feel that they can dominate something. And I know everybody will say or acknowledge that the League Cup is the least of City's priorities. But the fact is, a club that until 2011 hadn't won a trophy for 35 years has now won the same one four times in six years, including two years running. And it's just all about that feeling, isn't it? One football's Dan Burke feels the same. He says it's a nice little watershed moment for the club, but probably not a lot more than that. I don't think winning back-to-back -back Carabao Cups is going to cause too much panic on the streets of Madrid and Barcelona, to be honest with you. That said, you know, we may not have had to come, overcome too many huge hurdles en route to winning the trophy this year and last year, but beating Arsenal and Chelsea in back-to-back -back finals is still no mean feat, if you ask me. And uh, hopefully the manner in which they beat Chelsea will give City a real feeling of uh, invincibility in the coming weeks going into the title running. Dan adds that winning breeds winning, and it's still a dream for City fans. I think we would all have preferred it if the first trophy retained by City was the Premier League title, and hopefully they will go on to do that later this season. Um, no one's won back-to-back -back Premier Leagues for over a decade now. It'd be a real huge feather in City's cap if they were the first ones to do it in that time. Um, but winning domestic cups is not to be sniffed at, I don't think. Um, I feel like the League Cup is no less prestigious an achievement than winning the FA Cup nowadays. Um, for me, the best thing about this one is that we've now won that particular competition more times than United as well, because um, you know even that would have seemed unimaginable a few years ago. In the list of League Cup winners in England, City are now only second to Liverpool. Richard Burns believes that keeping hold of the crown this year could lead to bigger and better things. I think it is difficult to retain a trophy. I mean, we all know the story of the, uh, of the Premier Leagues over the last decade. Nobody's retained one um, and City might yet continue that trend this year. And if not, they'll be the first team to do it in a decade. So that just, that just says how huge it is. Once you get down to cup competitions, you're relying on two years of winning every game in a competition. So it's not easy and it, it lays a foundation for being able to do it in bigger and better competitions. Could it then help City in this season's title race? They've got the monkey off their back of never having retained a trophy, so they now don't have to wrestle with that when they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Liverpool for the Premier League. Richard doesn't want to over-egg the pudding though. When you win the League Cup, if you're in a title challenge, it's always said that sets the tone now, they've got a trophy under the belt and they can go and win more. Um, I'd hope that's the case. I think that feeling that they can defend a trophy will help. We've got that feeling back of lifting a trophy. The players will be desperate for more of it. But equally, if I'm honest, I do think it's possible to overstate how important this is going to be in, in retaining the Premier League. I think that motivation's there anyway. Having seen City retain the League Cup, Dan Burke also thinks the next big challenge is keeping hold of a title. Though he admits it will be far from easy. Winning Cups is all about the look of the draw, really. Um, last season and this season too, City had a fairly easy run to the final. You know, they needed a few penalty shootout victories along the way. Um, there's a good chance they could make it as far as this season's FA Cup final without having really played anyone of note either, so you can see why it's quite an easy achievement to belittle. Uh, but I remember Samir Nasri um, being asked about this a few years ago when he was still at City, and his response was something like, if you think it's so easy to win the League Cup, go and win the League Cup. Um, I don't think any trophy can be written off at this level, and you know, City have got a squad of players who've won almost everything there is to win in football, yet you can still see in the faces what even winning the least prestigious bit of English silverware means to them. Even if it was, in big inverted commas, only the League Cup that City have won back-to-back, -back, it shouldn't be written off as nothing. The club had never retained a piece of silverware in its 125-year history, so doing it last weekend is nothing to be sniffed at. Fans will be hoping now that the second time it happens is this coming May. Hi, my name is Karen Bardsley. I'm a goalkeeper for Manchester Women's Football Club, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. A look there at City's back to back League Cups. Now, then, uh, it's time to have a look ahead to the weekend game with Bournemouth. Given Liverpool's form recently, how much pressure's on City now to just keep winning? Well, this could be another, you know, this could be another big weekend like the like last weekend where you know City were in the League Cup, Liverpool dropped two points at Old Trafford, Liverpool, you know, Everton away. Um, in normal circumstances, for a team chasing the title, um, City fans know it's not a nice game. is it? Well, it's not a nice game, um, but it's going to. Uh, Jurgen Klopp last week described it as Everton's World Cup final. Um, and I think he's absolutely right. Everton will want to do their utmost to, to stop Liverpool from winning the title. So what City have got to do is make sure that they don't give Liverpool a free hit. by beating. So they beat Bournemouth on, on Saturday and then 
hike the pressure up again because that's that's what how the title is going to be won and lost. It's the team that handles the pressure. You know, the one that blinks first is is going to is going to lose out. So um, City have got to win. You know, that that's that's the the, the bottom line. How is it weird to have that pressure? Because this time last year, City were walking to a title. Uh, yeah, but that was a one-off. It is weird in a way because I think for the fans it is. I think that's, you know, we've talked to the frustration of West Ham match. That, yeah, I think it's... <laughs> we're so spoiled that we... I think we started the season because, we're you know, people were talking about the death of the Premier League competition already, Bef- you know, before we'd started defending our second title. I think we got ahead of ourselves and thought we're going to just... Just walk, walk it again and then again. clearly they've not, yeah. And, you know, this is fine in a way. This is what... It should be about this. Uh, I don't want to go through that QPR match ever again, but <laughs> you know, t- that's an extreme, though, isn't it? Yeah, but tight Premier League title races are you know totally normal. So yeah, obviously it's it's a it's not just how good the players are. This is absolutely it's a key factor in the the pre- how they handle the pressure. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk because City and Liverpool last night uh, played at the same time, but it's so rare. Uh, Liverpool kept playing first and going further ahead. Then we've got a chance now, but it doesn't seem to have made much difference to how the teams that play second has reacted. It's to rubbish, be honest, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it's just rubbish. I think um, you just look at your game and yeah. you try and win it. I don't think it really matters that they know they can go top for a day. It's like doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Simon, should City fans feel confident with Bournemouth? Given you know, you look at their record: two wins since December the twenty-second. That's eleven games. They they got battered. By Arsenal recently, they you know that they are admittedly a different team at home to they are away, but they you know the City have never lost to Bournemouth in their history. They've they've, they've only ever dropped two points to them at, at Dean Court. Everything is stacked up towards a City win, surely. Yeah, you you would think so, but Bournemouth you know, they're not a bad team, Bournemouth, and they'll be well organised. And you only had to look at the reaction of Eddie Howe last night after the Arsenal game. He was absolutely furious. So he will no doubt be cracking the whip in training over the next few days. And this is an opportunity for Bournemouth to kind of turn the season around a little bit for the, you know, the, the, the final running. Um, they're pretty good at Dean Court. As, as, is it Dean Court now? It's the, the Vitality, Vitality Stadium. Stadium. I, just, I, I used Dean Court as, because I was looking um, at, at 99 when they, when they got the first point off City. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as, as Chelsea found out, you know, and they've, they've claimed some scalps at, at, mm. at home. Over, you know, during the time you couldn't decide whether to say Dean Court or Vitality Stadium. Yeah, prefer, <laughs> I've got to say I prefer Dean Court. Um, but listen, City have got to go there and do a job, and it doesn't matter in terms of you know whether it's another one nil um, or whether they steamroller them. But it, City just need to go there and get the pressure back on back on Liverpool. Don't you know? They're terrible away from home. I think it's ninety feet on the bounce, and yeah. they don't, they've not suffered that since the Great Depression, I think. So, um, and they were in League 3 South. So, <laughs> and uh, But at home, they're a different proposition. And like I say, this could be their chance to get the, you know, turn the season round and get the supporters back on board. We talked, Howard, about 120-minute slog at Wembley, 90-minute slog against West Ham where the game wasn't wasn't won until you know the actual final whistle <clears> because <throat> of the tightness of it. This one, is it a good or bad game to be going into off the back of that? Uh, God, it's, because the, it's like, average. It, it could be a lot worse, couldn't it? Yeah, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, I'd, as you said, you know, we, we don't have the toughest fixture list with these injuries and with the number of games. I think it's just getting, you know, as Simon said, just get a result and got a midweek off at last. Uh, just getting through this week. It's just like the previous week, you know, when we had the Arsenal and Chelsea matches, just get through the week, however, and the Everton. Uh, it's just the case now. It's not all about, you know, it's so cliched, but its results are are important now, and I think they can, you know, they need that midweek off. So, I mean, Bournemouth have got, I just, it's so weird the difference between the forms. So it still worries me because they're not, they're just, it's two different teams are playing away from Dean Court, (laughs) (laughs) Stroke Vitality Stadium, and at home they really are. Just you know, look at us last season. Were you know they re- completely restricted us until I think Raheem Sterling bounced it in deep into injury time and got Buffy sent off. And, yeah, yeah, that was last yeah beginning of last season. They've given us trouble. You know, normally it's a side I think that would it's good timing because I don't think Eddie Howe's the one who likes to. He's got his philosophy and he sticks to it. 
What if I was seen him tinkering a lot? But what if I was to tell you that that Charlie Daniels goal last season is the only goal Bournemouth have ever scored at home to City? Wow, that would worry. That would that would worry you. (laughs) It's irrelevant because what they did three four years ago has no bearing on. This weekend, Fine. I'm just just trying to throw it out there. I'm a, big, I'm a big believer in the law of averages. I'm I'm, I'm sorry to say this on on the City podcast, and I just think that Bournemouth six nil. Well, <laughs> Newcastle, for example, when the when the website was trotting out all these stats about how long it was since City had lost to Newcastle, I'm just thinking that is a that is just so um, asking for trouble. It is. It's asking yeah. for trouble, and sure enough. Trouble presented itself at the door. There we so, are. Then. Well, um, we'll, we'll get your predictions yeah. then and find out what. Oh, uh, but that, I should mention they've got quite a few players out as well. I think Callum Wilson is out and uh, two of the cooks and Stanislaus and uh, is it Solanke? He's out. Yeah. So uh, they've got the player out, you know, crucial ligament. So they they are struggling as well. Uh, so you know, it's not just it's not just City. City, City having two yeah. players with our depth. I don't think we get much sympathy uh, of people to be honest. So. Right, well, the total money raised on the charity bet this season stands at £783. City take on Bournemouth on Saturday, so let's see if we can't increase that total. William Hill is giving each member of the team a £10 correct score single, with the winnings going to the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester. Uh, Simon, I'm going to start with you. What, uh, what score line have you got? Well, I've just said that it's going to be a really tight, nervous game, and I'm going for it, so obviously I'm going for a 3 0 City win. <laughs> 3 0 City win. It's 13 to 2, so £65 if you're right. Howard, what have you got? I think, if I remember correctly, 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one indeed. Uh, 15 to 2 is £75. I've gone for 3-1, which is 17 to 2 and £85. So uh, so uh, hopefully one of us is right and we can boost the total. Don't forget, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, visit begambleaware.org. Now, this season's title race is clearly going to be a lot tighter than it was last season. But they always say that getting a trophy under your belts early in the campaign can help. So City have certainly given themselves a step up as we head towards the crucial run-in. I've been speaking to James Cooper from Sky Sports News to get his thoughts on how the season is shaping up. It's interesting. We've just spoken to Alexander. Zinchenko and asked him the same thing talked about whether it's momentum now whether there's a bit of tiredness bearing in mind it was a bit of a slog to watch and probably even bigger slog to play against Chelsea and then of course 120 minutes plus penalties he was on the front foot and talked about you know one down three to go I think that's probably what they're all talking about and he said the players are all talking about that so I think mentality comes in here and one point I made to somebody before we came in today was that Pep's done this a lot of times, you know, he's won 11 out of 12 major finals now across his clubs, so he knows exactly how to react from it and go on from strength to strength, so I think um, Liverpool would have looked at that and thought, I hope they play that long and hope they lose, and the manner in which they won, which is probably the best way to win a final, probably carries them on, I think. It's really weird, isn't it, because even though City didn't play at the weekend, it it, it kind of felt like there was a little shift towards them in the way that Liverpool played at at Old Trafford and the way that City won the final. Okay, you know, there might be one or two points difference between them for the rest of the season all the way going, but it feels like there's been a bit of a shift in the momentum. I think there does, and I think it was funny. I was down at Wembley on Sunday, and a lot of people like myself and my son watched the United game before going in, and I think there was a feeling of momentum there and a feeling that this was an opportunity, as you say, even without playing a game. And I think at the end of it, you know, it's a perfect afternoon albeit I think the injuries to Laporte and Fernandinho are, are, are fairly serious I mean everyone talked about Firmino being um, a big injury and a big loss for Liverpool I think Fernandinho in particular is a real worry and I think the fact also that Pep was very ambiguous about when he might be back that's a cause for some concern I think how do you think they, they'll cope without him? I mean, we saw over the Christmas period when they were without him, there was a couple of defeats thrown in there, and then obviously when he when he's back, they struggled a bit at Newcastle. He, he is the key position, isn't he? I think he is, and I think the, the key question that then follows on from that is in who plays that role. I mean, Gundogan can play it, we know that. We know that Danilo has been talked about. He played in that position, as Pep said, for Santos, but that's quite some time ago, up against... Um, you know, inconsistent opposition. You know what, what Pebble tell you about the Premier League is it doesn't matter if you're playing, you know, Crystal Palace or you're playing West Ham or you're playing Bournemouth. You know, these teams want to beat you and, and can on their day beat you. That's the difference here. So I think he'll probably go with tried and tested, probably go Gundogan, um, and hope that his players have learned from that time without Fernandinho there because I'm sure it's something he's been aware of and we know how he works on stuff. So I imagine yesterday and today would have been about kind of the structure of the team without their kind of engine if you like the other injury you mentioned was Laporte there's there's a couple of key weeks coming up with Otamendi suspended for the Schalke game and obviously Vincent Company's injury record isn't isn't fantastic John Stones has been out recently could that be a problem for City yeah I think it could be I think relying on on Vincent to play kind of week in week out when it looks like the games are coming thick and fast 
will be difficult, you know. And I think it's funny how Otamendi has, has changed in his dynamic in this football club and in his relationship to the fans. I think they've always seen a player that's proud to play for City, but maybe takes too many risks to their liking. But I think he has won a place in their hearts, and certainly this season he's probably the number one centre back alongside Laporte. So I think there is worries there. And if you look then at the block in front of it, the guy that does all the work is not there either. The only thing I'd say is that, you know, touching wood with a very big hand, um, is that these set of fixtures are winnable fixtures. You know, there's not, in the next sort of five games, you'd sort of say, well, we'd expect Manchester City to win four, if not five of those games. I think that's where Pep probably looks at it and thinks, yeah, maybe I've got lucky with the schedule. Money way mouth this time now. In, uh, in terms of the title race, what, what do you see happening for the remainder of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be nip and tuck, I think, but I think it was a huge result for Manchester United against Liverpool at the weekend I think for every respect for them as much as it was for um, for Manchester City um, and I think you know there is a feeling that Liverpool were patting themselves on the back way too early they have a habit of doing that people will tell you about that and I think there is a, a shake and a wobble um, and I think that trophy as I say a great way to win a trophy for Manchester City I think the experience will just set them clear I, I've thought that City will win the, the title all along no matter where it was because I think they have that know-how, they have that ability. But I think the key thing about it is that man for man, there's a depth of squad that isn't there for Liverpool. When you bring someone in, generally, you're not looking at you know too much of a deviation. I think that's different for Liverpool. I don't think they have got a firm 22 like Manchester City has. And I think that's the thing that will give City the title. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. James Cooper there talking to me about this season's title race. It's time to finish with Ask the Panel. Send in your questions for next week at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter or you can email via the website bluemoonpodcast.com. Nick Garner's been in touch on Twitter to ask, should there be any reason to worry that Kevin De Bruyne is so out of form after his injuries? Could they have taken their toll on him or have we rushed him back too soon? Yeah, <laughs> I would be worried, yeah, because uh, he's not he's not hit the form. You know, nothing like the form of last season. I don't think we rushed him back too soon, no. I think it was brought back very gently. I think they appreciated, you know, the injuries he'd had. Uh, he played a couple then. I think he was rested again. Then he played, then he was rested. and Yeah, I don't know what... He's just not quite there at the moment. It's not. It's the understanding he has with, you know, the ability. I mean, he's not been terrible. It's just by his standards, he's not producing those killer crosses, those killer balls... It's, the understanding with players, you know, we discussed Mares, that's probably a separate issue. Uh, and alongside him, I think it is tied in with, you know, David Silva not playing well as well. Obviously affects him playing a similar part of the pitch. So, don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for why, because he's been back long enough now for him to have got back to his rhythm. Uh, but he's just not quite there yet. I think the one game, it was a cup game. I don't, I don't know if it's Rotherham or Burton where... And obviously the the standard was of the opposition wasn't great, but he was so good. He thought, "Oh, he's back! He's back! He's doing it now." And then the next game, he dipped again. So, yeah, it's a shame. We might just have to wait. You know, these players have played all summer. Then he's not had a rest by being injured because that takes a toll in its in a it's separate rehab, way. Yeah. In a separate way, maybe it's just a player that you know we hope he gets some form back and just you know one of many that needs a summer off. Basically. Does it feel, Simon, like his brain's not quite connected to his feet properly at the moment? Yeah, he can, think, he can I, see what he wants to do, and yeah. it's just not quite happening. I just think it's just a coordination thing, and when you you're hitting passes with the, you know, sometimes you can only be a couple of millimeters out with the passes that De Bruyne does, and it, it looks a poor pass. We're just used to seeing him land it on a sixpence, and I just think he's he's had plenty of time off this season in terms of injuries, obviously. I just think so. I think it's a case of Pep just playing him and playing him and playing him until he gets back into form, because you know it's that old cliche about you know classes, classes perma- permanent and form is temporary. And I think it's it's just temporary at the moment. David Silva's um, struggled a little bit as well. I was, was going to ask about Silva, kind of um, um, off the back of that. Um, it it sounds a horrid thing to say given what he's done for City, but it, it's almost like in the last few weeks he's looked his age. Well, remember at Wembley on um, at Wembley on Sunday when the the subs were warming up, um, I was uh, we were sort of being asked, you know, who, who do you think's coming off? And I shouted De Bruyne and Silva, and now normally that would be unthinkable to bring off either of those players, um, but they were just sort of so much out of sorts. That I, I just thought that anything would be an improvement, not anything, but you know we could improve. Our mid midfield performance. Um, listen, Silver's due a 
a little sort of um, he's allowed it, quiet isn't he? patch. Yeah. I mean, what what a play, what a play he's been over the last nine, eight, nine years. Um, so yeah, and again, I just think uh, is he is he feeling his age? I, I don't think so. I just think it's a, a temporary thing as it is with De Bruyne. Any worries about David Silver, Howard? Yeah, because at some point he won't be that good anymore because you know he's not not 23 how old is he 33 33 yeah and you know i expect and early in the season he was playing better than ever possibly even better than four or five years ago maybe it's the weight of growing uh, his hair back maybe it's the pressure of having no longer having a a shiny head he's got a yeah he's got to go back to his old hairstyle definitely (laughs) uh i don't it can't i don't think age can hit you that suddenly so i don't know you know human beings we don't know what's going on in our lives it's it's just not clicking for him at the moment at some point i mean pep said before the season he expects him to play fewer minutes you know to be phased out because with everyone age catches up with you but he didn't show that for three months at least he was you know thinking could be play with the air this you know like deserve it the premier league one uh so it is worrying because it's it's quite constant at the moment he's the you know I'm surprised he keeps getting picked, which is a shame that I've had to say that. So you don't want your club legends, and he's obvious one, to go past. You know, to play you don't want to go out with a whimper. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, I told you, should have gone a, a year earlier. And I don't want him playing. And we're not at that stage yet. It could just be a blip in form. Uh, you don't want him just you know to peter out with some poor performance on the pitch when age catches up with him. So, but again, hopefully he'll get it back at some point. And finally, a change of pace with this last question. Uh, This one's from Catherine Miller on the email. She says, "Uh, I bumped into Bernardo Silva getting his car washed last week. So which City players have you met in everyday life and what were they doing? So I'm hoping for some uh, some great anecdotes. uh. Yeah, you won't be getting them from me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The best I've got is Martin Margitson doing his shopping in Tesco. Well... Wow. How can I follow that up? <laughs> Let's you've, go literally, home. you've literally blown us out of the water there. What, 1997? Sorry, yeah. Sorry if you're listening. <laughs> He's not listening, uh, don't No. In the wild, I don't... I've honestly... In just, the wild? <laughs> in captivity, I've seen plenty of uh, City players, but in the wild, just nothing, virtually nothing. I've walked past... Roberto Mancini outside an Italian restaurant. Oh, I did. I... On, on his phone near Dean's Gate. I gave him a, a knowing nod and he didn't even notice I existed. Well, I, I was. I, I walked past him. He'd come out of Harvey Nicks in uh, in Manchester and there was. it was a mid... It was. It, I wasn't in work. It was a, a midweek day. I think it was just after his, after the first game, the Stoke game. And um, he came out and like I clocked who it was, and I, and like, this was still my first season of podcasting and and kind of doing this sort of thing. I'd never interviewed any city players, never kind of been in the presence, and I was doing that kind of thing of, oh, that's 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 the manager there, like that. He obviously clocked that I'd clocked it was him, and I just I, like cool as that. I don't know where it came from, out of nowhere. I just I just went, good luck for the rest of the season. <laughs> Walked straight past him, and that was that was it. It was just a really nice moment. Yeah. Well, the only other one is I've just. Followed now Quinn around JD Sports once. Uh, did, did he know? Miss, or? No, no, just like <laughs> he, you know, just he thought he was a store, a store detective. Yeah. no, no, I was pretty good with the stalking, so I just hid behind. But well, behind the trackies uh, and the and uh, yeah, he's indeed very tall. So oh. <laughs> well, did he have any disco out, pants? That's uh, the... He did not know. Was he not he purchasing? No, any? he was just buying some slacks, I think, or some trainers. Slacks. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, any any encounters with city players in the wild? I've got a cracker. I mean, it's it's quite quite an old one. Um, in fact, it was 1990, and I was a, I was a junior reporter at the time. And um, don't, I, I don't want to dishearten you, but I was three. Thanks. <laughs> I was in um, I was in uh, Rhodes on holiday and sat on a beach, as you do, and um, reading a newspaper about City trying to buy uh, Dean Saunders. And um, anyway, this guy who was giving out flyers for a, a bar. <clears throat> Said, oh, he started talking about City, and he said, oh, Tony Cotton has been in our bar every night this week. It's basically his local. He's on holiday with a few mates. Should come in. I'll introduce you to him. So I'm thinking, great stuff. Anyway, went there a couple of nights. No sign of TC whatsoever. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm I'm at the airport, flying home, ready to fly home, and um, the plane's delayed. And I don't know what the airport's like now, but then you literally just had to kind of dust down on on the. Uh, you know, on the floor. So I'm lay on the floor, head on a, a bag that I had, and uh, somebody stood on me. And I opened my eyes, Tony Cotton. 
So anyway, he, he apologised and we started chatting. And I, the first question he asked him was, "Are City buying Dean Saunders?" And he didn't. He obviously didn't have a clue. Um, anyway, uh, twenty five, thirty years later, I ended up writing his autobiography. I was going to say, yeah. So did that story of, make it in? No, <laughs> no. Fully, strangely enough, he's got he's got better stories than that. So and and the I book, can't believe and the book is still available, by the way. Uh, but he's got better stories <laughs> in, than that. In all good m- book stores, much more interesting. Much more interesting uh, stories. Go I've pick got up a one non uh, non city one. Yeah, you, you you nearly said United then. So I well, think it it's is United. United yeah, it was just uh, an easy jet on flight to Malaga <laughs> once, and Ryan Giggs just sat down in front. So I'm a friend of Michelle. She was a United fan. Just followed him to the toilet, so they were stood there when he came back out of the toilet. Just you know, so you say he passed us. I text my mum because we hadn't taken off yet. Oh, Ryan Giggs is sat in front of me on the plane. So she went, We got married today. I went, What? And he was going on his honeymoon on an easy jet to Malaga. Well, didn't, didn't speak to his wife once and was watching a born identity film that wasn't out yet. Uh, well, snide, there, well snide, there we go, snide film he was watching. There we go. One. So, oh, come on, we got we got to hear this. This is a good one, but it's United related as well. But it's it's obviously got a city part to it. Um, my one of my best mates when I was growing up married Samat Busby's uh, granddaughter, and um, when Samat was sort of getting a little bit older, he moved in with his daughter in Sale, uh, and we'd been for a night out and were invited back to the house for a drink. And I was sat in a big leather chair next to the fire, and in what. So Matt Busby and said, uh, I think you're in my chair, son. <laughs> uh, I was absolutely sort of gobsmacked at the time. Um, but I did get to see, um, and I'm trying to think which medal it was. Did he win the FA Cup with City in 1934? I got to see, I got to hold his, uh, his uh, FA Cup winner's medal from the 1934 FA Cup final. Amazing. So that's a... So not forgotten all about that. Well, I'll tell you what, if uh, if you're listening to this and you think, I've got a better story about sitting, uh, about meeting a City player in the wild, do let us know. If you can beat Martin Margitson in Tesco or sitting in some at Busby's chair, then, uh, then then get in touch at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. Well, that's it for this week's Blue Moon Podcast, but if you want to hear our extra show, which is all about Samir Nasri and his time at City, then you can become a Patreon backer. It's just $2 a month. That's about £1.50 for those of you in the UK. And for that, you'll get four or five bonus shows each month, depending on the length of the month, that is. And blogs by both me and Richard Burns there's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast special thanks to my two guests for this week to Howard Hawking pleasure as always and Simon Mullock thanks David I'll be back next week to review City's match at Bournemouth we'll see you then that was the blue moon podcast Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.